have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, we're going to be getting the first official series of hashtag justice for now I originally was going to drop this underneath a different series and keep it separate from the old cop stories. I know some people don't like them, but um, due to the state of the world today, and I want to say this real quick, I never do religion or, or pot or politics on the podcast, but I want to say this to the people of Ukraine. Um, it is not an incursion or a whatever they call it, invasion or whatever. It's war. Russia has invaded your country and they're killing y'all. And I hope that you fight for every inch of it. And our prayers and our thoughts go out to you. But that being said, we're going to do, I just gave y'all Two murder episodes on Shane A. Bear. I gave you the Melanie Curtin episode, aggravated rape, and um, two episodes on the murder of little eleven-year-old Owen. But I want to do this episode and get this series started because it's important, and you'll be getting this probably two weeks from today that we're recording it. But starting it out. Y'all, I want to read something, and then I have some ladies here with me in the studio. Okay, so what, what I want to do to start out this series, and the name of the series is going to be Hashtag Justice for Kim Womack. That's W-O-M-A-C-K. And I want to read you this letter dated January 28th of 2020. And it states, R.E. Kimberly Womack, and it gives her social, 
and her date of birth was 8 6 of 1959. And the date of death is 8 1 2008. And the letter reads this. This fact of death letter is issued in accordance with Louisiana Revised Statute 13, semicolon 5713G, as in golf. This statute states that this letter shall serve in lieu of a death certificate constituting proof of death for all purposes, including but not limited to any claim under any policy of insurance issued on the life of the deceased individual. This letter attests to the fact of Kimberly Womack, whose date of birth is 8 6 of 1959, who died on the date of 8 1 2008 at the residence of 5549 Lazar Jaro Lane in the parish of Point Capee. This death was a result of a left side subdural hematoma from blunt force trauma to the head. This is still a pending homicide investigation with Point Capee Sheriff's Office. Signed, regards, T.Y. Cheney, ABMDI-D, Chief Investigator, Point Capee Parish Coroner's Office. All right, y'all. The reason I'm doing that and I want to read that is so you'll understand this is not a possible homicide case. This is not um, a question of possible suicide or anything like that. This is a murder case, all right? Homicide, the illegal taking of a human life of one human being of another human being. So let there be no question in your mind that this is a murder case. Now, you see the date? 2008, that's a long time, people. Do the math. 14 years. Okay? So today in the studio, I have with me two ladies, Miss Catherine Simpson and Miss Frieda Mick. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, first of all, for being here. And, and that this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be an easy process. Um, Catherine, you and I have talked, we've talked several times and you've sent me a lot of information, et cetera, but certainly, you know, I'm raw and unscripted for the most part and I've been looking at your case for a long time. And, you know, I told you, I get requests from people all over the world, much less the state of Louisiana who want me to look at these type cases and I said I wasn't going to do them anymore until I did the Mary Pocho case, and we had the success again in that, thanks to the lifers. Uh, um, this case is tough, and it's your mama, right? Right. And and um, there's nothing easy about you being here, Miss Frida. Nothing easy about you being here. No. And, and um, Kimberly was your sister. She was my older sister. Okay. And we, y'all, on this first episode. I want to talk about who Kimberly or Kim Womack was in, in her life so you can get the human face and that so that Kim Womack is not just another statistic that you hear about or another unsolved murder that you hear about. 
we want to get to know who she was. Then we're going to tell the story of what has and hasn't happened in this investigation, this homicide investigation, this murder investigation. And so we'll get to that. But first of all, um, Catherine, will you tell me who you are and where you're from? And Sure. Um, so I'm Catherine. I am Kim's daughter. Uh, I live in Shreveport right now, but I was born and raised in Baton Rouge. Um, I miss Baton Rouge very much. Hi. We moved up to Shreveport a few years ago. Um, my husband bought a dental practice there, so we're, we're raising our two sons there. Um, and uh, I, I very much enjoy coming back in town um, to see all of my old friends and hopefully to handle this case. Right. Okay. And Miss Frida? I am Frida Mick. I live in central Louisiana. I've been there since 2000 and was there prior to that. I've moved to Florida for a little while. Three kids that are um, between Baton Rouge and Lafayette, all grown, and one wonderful grandson. Oh, awesome for you. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Okay, so, Catherine, um, you were raised where in Baton Rouge? Um, central and not central, but right outside of Baton Rouge, really in Prairieville. Um, when I was very, when I was an infant, my mom Kim and my dad divorced, and right away, my dad remarried, and it was my dad and my stepmom who I lived with, and I went to visit huh. my mom in intervals. So I was raised right outside of Baton Rouge in Prairieville. Right. Okay. And um, but you. You got to see your mom on a, regular, on a regular basis. Always. And Miss Frida, tell me where y'all grew up. Tell me something about uh, your, your family, your childhood. And I might ask you a couple of crazy questions. Okay. <laughs> um, we were originally from Kentwood. And how many of, of them? There were three girls. Okay. Kim, myself, and Darla, our youngest sister. And she would have been here today, but she cannot get off from work. Outside of Kentwood. And for y'all that or not from here, Kentwood would be in Tangipahoa Parish, north of... Just on the Mississippi line. North on Hammond, just south of the yeah. Mississippi on line. on 55, right, right Contreras, to Mississippi. Um, Slaughterhouse is where I used to yeah. take my dear. I, haven't I knew some Contreras. <laughs> so y'all were raised there? Yeah, and yeah until um, I was about 10, 11, and uh, our parents divorced, and we moved Started working our way towards Baton Rouge. Um, first it was Watson, and then on to Baker, and then into Baton Rouge. Okay. Tell me about Kim as, as a young girl. Oh, or gosh. child. <laughs> Poor Kim. She, <laughs> she was a wild child. Well, Kim and I, the thing we did best was fight when we yes. were little. <laughs> I have six brothers. Oh, my gosh. We fought. That, right? <laughs> But nobody else could mess with right. either one That's of right. us because right. then we'd take up for the other one, you right. know. Right. But um, it was the three of us, you know, just running and playing back in those days. Right. You know, you, you could just that. go and right. come back home later on, get right. fussed at for playing in the red clay and staying right. in the clothes. So how how was she um, as a sister? And I get I get what you're saying. I was talking to one of my friends who's, who's a twin the other night, and their dad is still in the state police. And he said, look, we would fist fight all the time, but if somebody tried to break us up and, and, and we'd fight them. Fight right? them, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it'd be a slap and run, slap right, and run. Right, right, right. 
I used See to run for my older brother. I, I she was hit him and I'd run. She him. was smaller than me, yeah. but she could always beat me. Right, and, and right when he'd catch up to me, I'd, I'd fall down, make him trip over me, and get up. Yeah. And run, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd lay there and yell, "You're killing me! You're killing me!" And was she'd she, let me up. I'd hit her and run. Was, was she? She a, a happy child? Yeah. She a, yeah. She yeah. was a very loving, protective big sister. Yeah. She took that role very seriously. Right. Especially as adults, after our mom died, yeah. she just wanted to step in and that's, that's take the role. Y'all stayed close. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And the was she? She have friends, or she would people like her, or not like her? Or? She had um, friends. She wasn't the type of person to just have everybody she knew were right, friends, right. but um, she, uh, she did have her friends. Through school, for the life of me, I can't think of any names it's of okay. anybody. It's yeah, okay. Um, it's okay. I was just asking, like, in, yeah, in general, like, you know, yeah. But she, she did got along with people. Yeah. She, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Kim was a very giving, loving person, even as a child. I mean, she'd give you the shirt off of her back, right, and not have another one, but right. she'd figure it out, right? You know, and even as a child, she so was. So she that had way. a good heart. Oh yeah, right. yeah, and then yeah. Uh, that's not something you grow out of. No. Right? No. Okay. So let me ask you one of my favorite questions to ask on these type shows. What What do you, do you remember what maybe her favorite food was or? Pizza. Really? <laughs> pizza. It wasn't like you had the pizza a lot in Kentwood. It had no. to be a real treat. And crushed ice. From crushed Sonic. ice. Really? Yeah. Good Lord. She's obsessed with crushed, crushed ice. ice. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, and her daily Coke of crushed ice. Do you remember any specific time? Of course, I can remember many. Any specific time as a child that y'all got in trouble for something silly? or I can remember getting her in trouble because <laughs> I was the tattletale. <laughs> Mama, Kim's ringing the church bell again. Uh, oh yeah, right. Because right. <laughs> it was a friend of mine that was getting blamed for it. Right. So just a but, all American. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, um, I remember one time when we were uh, probably fifth and sixth grade, something like that, in a nice little neighborhood in Baker, and we had a tent in the backyard. We were camping out that night, and there were some other kids camping out too, and we're all out in the street. It's about eleven, twelve o'clock, you know, but we're not doing anything. And the cops drive by, and everybody runs and hides behind right. a bush, right. <laughs> just you know. Right. And then right. Kim comes out. She just had a way, even as a child, to just you know, hi, you know, we're we're camping in the backyard, and we're just out looking at the stars and whatnot. We've seen some shooting stars, and one of the cops, oh. I see one. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I was like, all right, y'all go back where you belong. You know? yeah. So then Kim comes and gets everybody else out of hiding. Right. <laughs> a little leader. Yeah. yeah. So cool. And then y'all migrate at some point towards Baton Rouge or whatever. Tell me um, how she was. Just anything that you remember about her. Um, One of the main things I remember as we moved through Baton Rouge was when um, – we moved to South Baton Rouge, and she uh, met Catherine's dad, Mark. You know, that was a, a big turning point for her. Even as young as she was, you could just see, you know. Hey, y'all. You've heard me talk about Just Thrive before, but let me tell you about it again. 
If you want to hear something that's truly gruesome, nine out of ten Americans suffer from some type of gut issue. Gas, bloating, diarrhea, acid reflux. And it's so common, people think it's a normal part of their life. But 80% of your immune system lives in your gut, meaning an unhealthy gut equals weak immunity. Probiotics are supposed to be the best way to support the gut. However, research shows 99.9% of the probiotics die in your naturally harsh stomach acid before they get where they're needed. This is what makes Just Thrive probiotics so revolutionary. Proprietary formula is designed by nature to protect itself when conditions get rough. Studies have proven that Just Thrive probiotic arrives 100% alive in your gut, making them uniquely effective for gas, constipation, and bloating, and providing much-needed immune support. It's vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, histamine-free, and non-GMO. Safe for just about any age, including moms-to-be. Endorsed by some of the biggest health luminaries on the planet. To give your body the crucial immune and digestive support and feel your best, there's nothing like the award-winning Just Thrive Probiotic. Y'all, I've been taking it now for about a month and a half, and it really helps with indigestion and, and just makes me feel better overall. So there's nothing like the award-winning Just Thrive Probiotic. Get 15% off. Go to Just Thrive Health. Dot com and use code RLRC at checkout. That's 15% off by going to justthrivehealth.com and use code RLRC at checkout. Kim always had a job. Uh-huh. As a, Once she was a teenager, she always worked. Um, she loved to cook. Do you remember anything specific or just desserts? Desserts, desserts. Yeah. yeah, desserts. And she used to make killer spaghetti that she learned from Catherine's grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there some Italian in there? Uh huh. <laughs> My maiden name is Rumpello. Oh, there you go. I bet it was good spaghetti. Though. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But she just adored being around her nieces, nephews, her grandson, you know. Yeah. She loved her family, you know, and she did have very dear, close friends. You know, there wasn't a lot from younger years, but as she got older, the friends she chose were friends for life. Life happens and Mm -hmm. grow up, right? Yep. So, Catherine, tell me some memories about your mama from the young days. to. uh, It's it's strange in the... Days prior to today, I was thinking about my mom growing up and what that was like and how I would describe her. And I always had just this um, incredible respect for my mom because I knew that she had experienced some trauma in childhood at a very, very young age. But it was very serious. And that was something that I knew that she was dealing with and didn't really get proper help for Uh And I could see that she compensated for that by helping other people. She became an EMT, which I thought was 
incredible when I was younger. I right. I remember going visit there and meeting the other friends who would sit in the ambulance, and I was so impressed with it all. Um, and she became a safety tech in the plants when Exxon exploded back in 89, 89 or 90. She was there. She was there. Um, it wasn't her fault. No. <laughs> no, no. But she did help clean up in the aftermath. Um, and she also did fire department training. And so growing up, I, I, I would meet different police officers and, and go to different fire stations. And I was so impressed with the way that I knew, I always knew, even at a very young age, that she was making up for that hurt on the inside of her by helping other people. Yeah. Um, so she was, she was a little crazy. She was a little um, <laughs> boisterous and outgoing and bouncy. And, uh, you know, if someone is going to say something hilariously inappropriate, it will be her. Right. She's right. gone. No filter. None. Yeah. Uh, but mostly growing up, I can remember, you know, it seems so strange to to be a person who witnesses so many car wrecks, but I can think of at least three where we happen to witness a car wreck. And of course her arm comes flying out, you know, to protect me, but then she jumps out and she's going assist these people. And I just thought my mom was superhero. Superhero. Yes, absolutely. Um, And we had a a ton of fun at home on the weekends. Uh, She's just like I am now. She didn't go out and do much, but she and I would stay home and rent movies. And I would love to, uh, Marker those, what are they? The velvet black posters that you can sell to kids. Yeah. Uh, black velvet. Yeah, yeah. I loved those, and she would buy me a ton of those, and we would sit at home in her super over decorated house, <laughs> wherever yeah. she was. It was curtains and pillows and blankets and plush stuff, and uh, we'd watch movies and and I'd paint those posters, and it was great. It was fun. Yeah. It was simple. It was it was pure. She was a good mama to you. She was. She was. She And I knew that despite the fact that I lived with my dad and my stepmom, right, right. my mom had to work. She was working right. co- constantly, and especially when she was a safety tech in the plants or an EMT with the different, um, you know, job schedules. What's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the hours. The hours, yeah. yes. Uh, Seven so I always knew that whatever she may have lacked, it was due to that trauma that she never really got help for that no one ever no one in her life especially at that time that time period time period you didn't talk about anxiety or depression the way people do right. now but i knew about it and i i knew uh anything anything that she made a mistake on I, it was so very easy to quickly forgive her because you know where she's coming from and uh yeah the, and at the end of her life she was still stitching up um fish hook cuts out at false river and right, right. helping her neighbors and taking care of her landlord's elderly mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all she did. Helping people. That's what she liked. She, that she is was absolutely a caregiver. Very yeah, much. Yeah. It yeah. was like caring for other people almost healed her. Made up. Yeah. yeah. That was her own kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. So loving, uh, worked hard. Yes. Yes. Very great, great mother. Very great, fun. Great sister. Mm-hmm. Had a zest for life. Mm-hmm. Yep. She'd come out to Aunt Frida's house, and Aunt Frida had a big pool. And my mom would bring from the dollar store all of these ridiculous plastic toys to blow up for the kids right. and yep. have a ton of fun. And then at the end of it, Frida's left picking everything up. <laughs> She's been known to fill kids' rooms full of balloons yes. for their birthdays overnight. Yeah. She does. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she did a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. 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 She's an exclamation point. She brought 
joy to people. Absolutely. That's important, right? In the later years, the getting close to 2008, or tell me when she moved to Point Capi. You probably know a little better. She started to um, date an attorney, uh, and he had a camp out there, Mm -hmm. and he, I think, was recently divorced, and so he was staying at that camp, and she moved in with him, and that's when she moved to Point Capi. Even though that relationship didn't last, they stayed on good terms. Yeah. Um, and so she stayed out there and found another home out there and settled in. And, and so, um, so the people will know y'all, Point Capi Parish is across the river from West Feliciana Parish, um, the Mississippi River. And when I grew up, my grandfather had the first camp on the town side, almost directly across the street from the Catholic church where the public mm-hmm. boat launch is. So that's where I spent all my summers. Oh, wow. And then I was in the net when I was in the national guard, my unit was in new roads or false river. Y'all that's that. what they call it. So false river. When we talk about that, that's, uh, used to be part of the Mississippi River. They got cut off over the hundreds of years or whatever, and it's like 12 or 13 miles long and the same width uh, of the Mississippi River. So I have a lot of history there, too. And um, the it's a beautiful place, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's the town side, the new road side, and then the, the gyro side. The island side. The island side, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so she... Stayed out there, and I get she why. She loved it. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. And I have to be by the water even to this day, mm-hmm. right? And, and then we lost our big home on the island for the for um, Ida this year. But I, mm. I, I still get it and, and needing to be on the water and all that. Um, so she moved there, and she was happy. Did she have any pets or anything like that? No. no. Okay. Right. Never a pet person. No. She worked right, too. Right, right. She worked too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Maybe a fish. So when, when She did have fish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The uh, so when she was there, she was still working. Yes. As yes, uh, she had uh, recently been into a car accident where um, she had a couple little injuries on her back, and then she also needed a hysterectomy, so she could no longer work in the plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was doing drug testing for the railroad, uh, and then she would supplement her income working at a store right right out there on the river. A little right. like a convenience store. Uh, I think it was Dollar General. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And this is about what year? 2007, 2008. Yeah. 2007, 2008. And do you know if she was in a relationship or anything at that time? So first, when she moved out there, she was dating um, the... I hesitate to just name people. You don't have to say the name. You don't have to say the name. That's fine. (laughs) Just find a way to identify him. Um, So she moved out there with him, and and we like him very much to Mm -hmm. this day. Uh, They they did not stay romantic. They did split up, but again, it was very amicable. Um, She moved to another camp uh, nearby, and they remained friends. uh, And then she began in 2008, the beginning of 2008, I believe. She began to... um, date again uh, a friend that she had dated when I was younger. Um, Were they from there? or Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Yeah, this is somebody or she's known Baton Rouge most or of her West life. Ba- Baton Rouge or West, West Baton Rouge? West, West Baton Rouge. Well, the residence would be in Baton Rouge proper. Well, um, when she met him. But when she met Baton him. Rouge. Yeah. He was a city cop. He was a city cop for mm-hmm. Baton Rouge City. Mm-hmm. Okay. She had a lot of cops yeah, that she was friends with. EMTs do that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, I, 
yeah. you ever want to ever worked with, right? Yeah. And, um, and they kind of stick together, I guess, because you see the same things. And mm-hmm. it's just like when I got into law enforcement, uh, an old time, I call him Uncle Pete Charlay. He told me, he said, the one piece of advice I can give you is keep somebody that's outside, that's not in law enforcement as a friend, because all you're going to want to do is, is get sucked into that circle because they understand you. Right. And mm-hmm. it keeps somebody outside to keep you grounded, but most people don't. And then we used to go to the parties, and, and you could always tell, um, like Christmas parties, whatever, you could always tell where the cops were in the room because they're all huddled together and uh-huh. everybody else is doing their <laughs> thing. Uh, um, so I get that. So she was dating uh, uh, this cop who used to be of Baton Rouge City. Yes, I had, uh, she'd known him my whole life. I remember uh, when I was very young, she brought me over to his house because I I believe they met, you could correct me on this, but she took care of his wife who was ill somehow. She had a massive stroke at a very young age and Kim helped with her and and helped with their little boy. So I I remember going over there and, and meeting his little boys. I remember one of them. Preferred flat Dr. Pepper to normal Dr. Pepper. <laughs> right. We had little little things like that. And I remember I got a ticket once, and she gave me his phone number, and I called him on. I still don't understand what it was on, but it was on some type of line where once he answered, everyone could hear us. <laughs> and I'm going, can you fix my ticket? And <laughs> he was saying, there's no such thing as fixing a ticket. Yeah. Everyone can hear you. Uh, yeah. And then uh, a friend of mine was going into the Marines, and he Got ran a red light, and so my uncle Tommy helped out with that. Um, and so it was no surprise in 2008 when she came to us and said that she was romantically involved with him again. Uh, uh, I grew up calling him uncle, despite no relation. That's right, right. You know, how, well, that's a southern thing. That's yeah, southern. <laughs> everybody's that. related. My, yes, yes. Yeah. I've had too many well, people. It, maybe I, when I grew up, it was Uncle George or Uncle Pete or whatever. <laughs> but it's just my parents' best friends. Right. Right. Yes. And, and, that's it's that's a real sign of term of endearment. If you're not from the South, you're not gonna get it, listeners. But the um it's like the uncles that you wanna have, I guess. Mm-hmm. The, right. the ones have. you would choose. The, the ones that you would choose, because the Lord knows you can't choose your family. Can't right? choose your family. Nope. Um, so she became uh she told y'all mm-hmm. she was dating them. She told you too, right? Of course. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she told us both. Um she told our whole family that they were dating again. Um I rode to New Orleans with her shortly before she died, and she was on the phone wait, practically. Wait, wait, wait. Let, me, let me interrupt you. Sure. And I'm going to do this from time to time because I have hundreds of thousands of hours of interview and interrogation. And when I do it on these stories specifically, The and I, I, I'm not telling you what to say or what not to say, but your mama didn't die. She was murdered. Murdered, right. All right, before her homicide. Yeah. I'm mean, sorry, that, but the... The, the, it, this is the, yeah. the truth, and right. and 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 family members all the time. When I talk to them like that, so before they died, I said no, but they didn't die. She, mom, your mom was murdered, brutally murdered from from mm-hmm. what I've read. Okay, yeah. and I'm sorry, and I hate to bring it back down like that, but it's a fact, yeah. and that's why we're here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, um, you're right. Um, yeah. Before she was murdered. So before she was murdered, she had let us all know uh, that she was, again, romantically involved with my Uncle Tommy. And I remember hearing her on the phone with him um, during that long trip to New Orleans. And I could hear them talking and saying, I love you. And he said hello to me through 
her and I said hello to him. And I got married in April. She was murdered in August or her body was found August 1st. So the April prior, I was getting married and she asked me if my uncle Tommy could come and sit in the back of the church sort of surreptitiously. And I said, why can't he just come as a normal guest? And I, I never really got an answer to that question you remember that was a big yeah that was a big deal um because she brought up what he had done for me when i was growing up when i was little why do you think she asked about the back of the church versus the front well now i know that he was married we didn't know that then and this is to the same lady that had the stroke or whatever no no No. Uh, so he's married to somebody else second wife right so all right so we had no clue so here's the deal the we're all human beings Okay, and, and we certainly are not here today or on the series to sit in judgment on your mama doing whatever or not doing whatever. We're all sinners. We all, you know. So I get they we just want don't want to sugarcoat anything. We'll just tell the truth. Yes. But no matter what, your mama didn't deserve to be murdered. Absolutely, no, she didn't. Okay, not. it doesn't matter who you are, how you live your life. No one deserves to be killed. Yeah. And and so, and of course, I believe in telling the truth, the good, bad, or the indifferent. You know why? Again, there's nothing that can be told that justifies a person being murdered. Yeah. Right. Okay. And sticking to the truth, I think, helps reveal Absolutely. the truth. I mean, that's yeah, what we, the, we why, want. Why, that's right. We, the, the, uh, we right now, we, and I just got the goosebumps for the first time, right now we're, we're putting the human face on your mama and your sister. And guess what? Humans are humans. Right. Mm-hmm. None of us are perfect. Absolutely. Right? Okay. My mom was desperate, I think, to be loved. Yeah. You know, yeah. her trauma from very young had to do with her father. And I think yeah. she really wanted to make up for that. She wanted a family. She right. wanted to be loved. And right. She wanted a family. Yeah. And, uh. Well, you know what? They, the, the, and that's okay too. The, um, but I mean, because she was seeing someone that was married, that doesn't doesn't give her a reason to be right. hurt. That right. was a relationship that went on. Oh, a lifetime. Her lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, right. So, so she asked if he could sit in the back of the church, and she and I got into an argument about it because she reminded me of some things he had helped me with when I was younger that I felt were embarrassing and shouldn't be tied to my right. wedding, and right. so it was a, a strange issue, and I didn't realize, like I said, that. He couldn't just come as a normal guest. Um, and then, let's see, we we moved on. We That summer, we came out to my Aunt Frida's house quite often and swam in her pool. My mom would jump around and play with the kids. She had a great time. Um, and then early July, she told us that she was going to away for the weekend with my Uncle Tommy, and she was going to Lake Charles. He had a CSI training event through the West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Department, which is where he works now. And, um, and, and in what capacity does he work there? Um, I believe he's the head of records, um, I think. And in, in, in 2008, was that his capacity? He was a detective. He was a detective. And in West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office, uh, y'all, again, West Baton Rouge kind of explains itself. It's mm-hmm. just to the across the Mississippi River. Uh, it would be just south of Point Capee Parish, in which is where your mama was living at the time of her murder. And y'all have heard me talk about West Baton Rouge in the um, Justice for Mary series, but 
the, so he was a detective mm -hmm. at that right. time. And you said she was going to a training event. And do you know where that was? In Lake Charles. Mm -hmm. Right. For the weekend. And do you know anything else about that? I do. Um, so they went away for the weekend and, and came back home. But I didn't know until public records request in 2020 that another deputy accompanied them that on that trip. Um, deputy Brian Doucette accompanied them. And I don't know if he got his own room or if he stayed in the room with them, but I do know that he picked my mom up and rode to and from the event with my uncle Tommy. Right. And the, for the listeners out there, they're going to know that name because he was the detective that, um, was involved in Mary Pusho's case from West Baton Rouge Sheriff's office. Right. Small world, right? Mm -hmm. Very small world. <laughs> All right. So they, that sticks out in your mind. Very much. And then what happens? So that was three weeks prior to her murder. Um, I knew about that. And I I just kind of went on. I, I was married at the time, and I, I had my kids, and I had things going on in church, and I was busy. And I knew she was going to Lake Charles, and I just I, I kind of put it out of my mind and moved on and moved along with our busyness and what we were doing towards the end of that summer. And then um, next thing I, I heard was that she had died. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm going to back up for one second. I'm going to ask you both this question real quick. What is the last time you remember talking to your mama? Or if you remember the last thing y'all talked about or last time you talked to her or anything uh, before? I can't remember. Okay, that's fine. That, that's the truthful yeah, answer. That's good. Uh, but that's... Yeah. Um, this shows that this is not rehearsed, obviously. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So then, then they take it to the next question on the murder date, which is August one, the day she was found. The day she was the day she was found. What What are y'all doing, and and how do you get the call? <sighs> and then and then we're gonna stop it there. But um, go ahead, Miss Frida. My youngest son and I had just left the house, headed out to do dorm room shopping he was headed off to college and i remember we were at the intersection of jor and hooper and her attorney friend called me and asked if i had talked to her in the last couple of days and i said no i haven't i said is everything okay and he said well i don't know he said another neighbor out that way had called him and told him there were a lot of cop cars and it looked like it was at Kim's. They weren't sure. At Kim's residence. Right. So um, I turned around and went back home. And about the time I got in the house, he called back and uh, said that it was at her house. And I knew then. I just I just sank to the floor. I knew. Did, did he say anything besides the cops are at her house? No, he, he didn't know. He didn't, he, know. he didn't know. Somebody. He was in town. He had an office in Baton Rouge. He was in town, and somebody out there called him and told him right. it looked like a lot of cop cars at Kim's house. And you say you fell to the floor, and you knew. Yeah, what, yeah. I just, what I just did, what, what instinctively, did you feel like? I knew she was she was gone. Yeah. It, it just, just like, it just washes over you, you know. Yeah. And um, I called the sheriff's department. They said they had been trying to reach me. They had her phone. I don't know what the problem was. 
Um, and I told them I was coming, and I remember hearing one of them in the background saying, she's coming here? And I said, no, I'm going to the sheriff's office. I did not want to be at the scene. But then when you when you called, did they tell you she was deceased? Yeah. Okay, so that then you say you're going to the sheriff's yeah. office. and then I went. But somebody in the background says she's coming here. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, no. I was very shocked. She's coming here? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so you go to the sheriff's office. Uh, yeah, went to the Poikapee Sheriff's Office. Okay. And um, they they didn't really have a lot to say at that point, more questions than anything else. Right. Well, hold, hold that thought for, me for one second. How did you hear? Um, so at the end of the summer, my husband at the time that I just married in April, he and I— and my son, Braxton, were bringing his daughter back to the Texas state line to drop her off with her mother after the summer. Mm-hmm. And Frida called me when I, we were on our way. We had just gotten on the road. And I explained to her what I was doing. And she said, okay, well, then I'll talk to you when you get back in town. And I knew something was wrong. I could hear it in her voice. I thought she had been in a fight with her husband or something. Um, I never, of course, you don't think someone's Nobody's going to think right, right. That, no, that someone was murdered. So the whole way there and back, I'm thinking about how I'm going to help her, you know, build her up with maybe the fight she's had with her husband. And they met us. Okay, so you come back to Baton Rouge, you go to the Albertsons parking lot. I met college. I used to go there all the time. And you meet with who? I met with my Aunt Frida and her husband, my Uncle Ben. And what happens to you? They picked up my son for me, Braxton. They watch Braxton all the time, and they knew the news that they were about to give me. So they wanted to you know, take my son so I could babysit my son so I could deal with that. And my Aunt Frida here told me that um, uh, she just said, Kim, Kim has passed. Kim has passed away. And it was there – was, there wasn't any emotion because it, I couldn't understand. It, it, what do you mean, passed away? And – I remember seconds would tick by and tick by and I was waiting on something to happen on, on it to hit me. And I just stayed numb. It was so strange. It was like time stopped. And Frida said that she had been told that there weren't any injuries, that there weren't any visible injuries. The landlord who found her, I believe was the one who said there weren't any visible injuries. And so right away, my mind went to something medical, perhaps. Maybe I knew she needed a hysterectomy. Maybe something happened there. Um, you know, someone having hurt her never for the first second entered my mind. Not not once. Right. And so I went home with my husband and thought, okay, I guess this is, I guess this is, I, I don't, it, it took forever for it to sink in. Yeah. It, it it was almost as though I knew there was a, I, it was almost as though I knew there was so much more. I couldn't feel anything until I knew all of the more. Right. So let me ask you one more question and then we're going to stop right now. Um, how old was your mama? 47. 47 years old, which is five years younger than me. Remember the age I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and on August 1st, 2008. was when she was found. That's when she was found. That's when, y'all, a, that's when y'all were told. When we found out, yeah. When y'all when were cops. told 
She was deceased. Yeah. Right? There's a four-day window. Y'all, I've already read you the official letter about the autopsy where, and this was in 2020, where they say this is still an active homicide investigation. And I'm going to stop this first part of hashtag justice for Kim Womack in when we next week we're going to dive into the reason that I took this case. The I want everybody to hear it. The good, the bad, the indifferent. I don't care whose toes we step on, what we have to do. I want the story to be told. And these ladies are going to tell it for you. Um, no matter how long it takes. And when we get done, you'll understand why I'm taking this case. And when I wrap it up, I'll tell you exactly what I think. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And then you can do with it what you will. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And we're going to conclude this first part for hashtag justice for Kim Womack. Now a couple Real Life, Real Crime announcements. As always, thank you, Patreon members and convicts, for your support. I appreciate it. You absolutely I could not do these shows without it. The um, I don't make any money from these families, uh, uh, not a dime, and it, it takes a lot of time and effort to, you know, do these cases. So thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Um, Real Life Real Crime community app, y'all go download it, check it out. It's got everything. Real Life Real Crime times infinity, super cool. Um, I'm going there every day first before all the other social media and answering questions and doing posts, et cetera. So go check it out. Also, Instagram at Real Life Real Crime. I post funny videos and stuff on there or just different little things. So y'all go follow me on that. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And then our YouTube channel. Y'all, this episode and each episode in this series are going to be on a YouTube channel, and you'll get to, you can get to see Miss Catherine and Miss Frida if you want to, and you, you get to see me uh, um, doing this actual live recording. And Jim Chapman with, with Envision Podcast Studios makes those special and puts things up in the background, et cetera. So if you go to YouTube, look up. Real Life Real Crime Podcast. You can't just do Real Life Real Crime. Real Life Real Crime Podcast. And so on Real Life Real Crime Podcast, YouTube, hit subscribe. And you anytime I post a new video, whether it's an episode or not, you'll get it. And look, I do a lot of stuff like I'm about to do one from a crawfish bowl we did last week uh, that's being put together. And, you know, I put some stupid ones on there or whatever. But if you want more Real Life Real Crime you can go check that out also. And finally, LOPA, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Y'all, take a moment. Go to LOPA.org. 
sign up to be an organ donor, give the gift of life, be a hero, life, sight, whatever. And like I always say, if, if you, I mean, it's very small percentage of the population that ever um, organs are donated. And guess what? If it, that happens, you're not going to care. You're going to be dead anyway. You know what I mean? They help somebody else out, right? The, um, but if you're a lifer from, give me a country anywhere in the world. Australia. If you're a lifer from Australia and you want to become an organ donor, go to lopa.org and take a minute and sign up. You don't have to be from Louisiana. Be a hero. And I'm Woody Overton. You host a Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? 